Please be seated. Go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey what I have commanded. Thus says Jesus at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. This is known as the Great Commission. It is given to the first disciples in the resurrection, and so to every disciple that follows. It is a call and commission to evangelism, a call and commission to proclaiming the good news of God, inviting discipleship and baptism, and obedience to the commandments of Jesus that are the way of life. Now, I know from many conversations over the years with many groups in this parish that evangelism is a word and an idea that many of us would rather avoid. For some, it evokes memories of being manipulated by narrow-minded people, and for others, memories of being berated from pulpits of long ago as well-meaning pastors try to ensure that we have been saved. We promise that we will proclaim the good news in word and deed, and we have tended here to prefer the deed part and avoid talking too much about our faith. Now, in the great scheme of things, in the age of Christendom, that probably wasn't terribly dreadful. We were able to get on with uh, effective word through enacted word, through the deeds we carried out in the name of Christ, uh, and, and working for poor, working for the poor, and working for justice. But the world in which we find ourselves is changing fast, and there are growing numbers of people who have no clue what is going on in Christianity, and certainly no clue what's happening and what we stand for and what we're about on this corner of the world. And we're increasingly likely to meet these people who have no idea, and we must find ways to proclaim the good news as we have received it in word. Our cafe night, uh, the last one for the year tonight, is an attempt to invite our neighbors to come and find out something, maybe stimulate some inquiry as to what we're up to. Uh, our vestry will soon be discussing a report about how we connect with those who live and work in the buildings around us. But paying, our, paying attention to our proclamation of good news in an environment that is changing at a rapid pace is simply something we must learn to do. We have to learn to talk about our faith. Now, lest this attention to evangelism becomes just one more ought in our lives, one more thing that we have to do, like flossing. You know, there's sort of a, a not terribly enjoyable but necessary thing, like certain medical procedures that are meant to be terribly good for us. Evangelism doesn't have to be like that. And so in order to avoid it becoming just another ethical piety, let me say something about what evangelism is not and also something about what it can be and, and can be for us, and how it can be a blessing for us as well. Trinity Sunday today is the, arguably the only Sunday of the year named for and inviting a focus on uh, doctrine. But it's worth emphasizing that evangelism is not about getting other people to give intellectual assent to a series of propositions about God. Evangelism is not about persuading people about particular doctrines 
which are ways in which those who have gone before us have thought about and tried to articulate the faith in a reasonable way. It may be useful, for example, to have an, a conversation about exactly what happened in the resurrection, but that's not the point of evangelism. The point is to invite others to share in what we know to be the life-transforming, life-giving grace of Christ in the midst of the body of Christ. Wonderful prayer from right one, we pray that he may dwell in us and we in him. We're inviting people into right relationship. That's evangelism. I'm reading a fascinating book at the moment, maybe some of you have seen it. It's about why we do and keep on doing things that don't make any rational sense. In a way, it's, it's an answer to Paul's question in Romans of why he keeps doing the things he doesn't want to do. The book is called Predictably Irrational, and it's by a professor of behavioral economics at MIT called Dan Arley about the hidden forces that shape our decisions. And he looks at a number of them and does experiments to, to prove them. And one of the things he looks at is the influence of uh, emotional states, particularly arousal, or depression, or joy, or anger, and how when we are in an emotional state, we make decisions that are very different from the ones we predict we will make when we are calm, cool, and collected. And, and so he talks about how important it is that we take our own temperature from time to time if we want to make really free decisions and not be completely governed by whatever we happen to be feeling at the time. And, and so for me, it's a signal that there's something unhelpful going on when we're talking to someone and when we ourselves are getting all bent out of shape, all emotional or angry or ugly, particularly about something as ethereal as doctrine. You must believe as I do if you want to be saved. It's the kind of stance that is a clue that we're not dealing with good news, but we're dealing with something else, maybe power, maybe control. It's not evangelism, and it's something we need to watch out for in ourselves. See, evangelism is much more an invitation. It's an invitation to follow Jesus as Lord. It's an invitation to become a disciple, a follower, in a community of disciples who are together being taught obedience to the law of love, together discovering what it can mean to be saved, to be freed, to be liberated, to be healed, to be made whole, to be, to be given the full abundant life that we're promised. Evangelism is an invitation to join a community of people who tell both the story of Jesus and our own stories of, transforming, of the transforming grace of God. There's a theologian called Brian Stone. He wrote, all Christian evangelism calls for conversion that is nothing less than complete turning around, complete metanoia, complete repentance. It takes a long time for our lives to be completely turned around, and it's what happens in a community of faith, week in and week out, as we come before the altar seeking renewal and transformation ourselves. In the end, he says, evangelism is not something that any of us do individually, but as part of a community who can point to and show in our lives what it means to live, knowing, for example, that we're valuable because we're made by love for love. And that's very different than being valuable only insofar as we can consume, which is what the world will tell us the rest of the week. We all benefit when any of us tell a story of what is going on in our lives that show us a pilgrim people 
traveling lightly with God, fluid, ever in formation, ever being transformed, ever being touched by the grace of God. We have a program here called GIFT. Some of you know about it. It's a series of covenant groups who reflect on the faith together. And these groups are put together rather randomly. You sign up, you get put in a group. And I was talking to a chap the other day about his experience of his gift group and how his group of nine or ten people, I can't remember exactly, uh, had, were not a natural social group. Uh, weird was the word he used. Uh, <laughs> And, and people from all walks of life and all corners of this parish who in no way would probably know each other if we hadn't somehow been drawn uh, here and drawn into this group in particular by the grace of God. And he talked of how people he would never even have noticed were beginning to care for him and share their lives with him and invite him to disclose his own and how he was beginning to discover what God was doing in his life and being beginning to identify it and beginning to be able to name it and being able to, to claim it and share it. And just, just in one example, he said, for example, this group itself is a God thing. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. And I'm finding that I'm living less anxiously and, and thinking every day about what is truly important and it's affecting the decisions I make at home and how I treat my children and how I am at work. And he's quite specific about it. He's beginning to tell the story. He's beginning to bear witness to what God is doing in his life. He's learning how to talk about his faith. And it's something that every one of us can do. And it's something that every one of us must do uh, as, as we take seriously the great commission of Jesus to his disciples. Name and share what God is up to in our lives, where we're experiencing conversion, how that is liberating us. And as we do that, the church is strengthened, let alone others who may be attracted to our invitation, or actually God's invitation. So on Trinity Sunday, we remember God revealed as Trinity. And we remember that it's the nature of God to be in relation and we remember that that relation is revealed as creative love and how that love brings infinite possibilities, galaxies and universes and planets into being. And even so, we may expect a multitude of ways in which the story of salvation is told among us, in which we are liberated through repentance and forgiveness of sin or through knowing healing and wholeness and finding our way into greater integrity in our lives living less anxiously, learning that it's in giving we receive, learning that it's through serving others that we start finding a measure of freedom, or in certain ways dying leads to real and fulfilling life. All we have to do is practice sharing these stories with one another. That itself is a gift and an act of grace, and that means we would be well on our way to fulfilling the great commission of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.